Good morning. How are you all doing? Good. Have any of you melted yet? It makes me appreciate the winter so much more. Oh, what a great morning. Uh, so today at the end of service, we have our dream interpretation teams are going to be available off to your left, my right, so you can come get your dreams interpreted. How many of you guys are having dreams? How many of you would like some of those interpreted? How many of you, well, today's your day, see? We did it just for you. How many of you have had a dream and you're like, what? The, uh, was that? Huh? I, I had, it, this was years ago, I had a dream, uh, and I, I honestly, I don't know if it was a dream or if I was awake or asleep. It was one of those. And either in my dream or I actually sat up in bed, and how many of you know the old Pac-Man game? You know the, the, the little ghosts, the shapes of the ghosts? I saw them going through, from coming up my bedroom floor, through my room, and out the ceiling. And it wasn't a scary thing, it was, it was a Pac-Man ghost. Like, and they just kept going through. And then, all of a sudden, one turned into a St. Louis Cardinals baseball jersey. And went through the room. And that was it. That was, whatever, if it was a vision, a dream, whatever it was. And I had no clue what was going on. It's like, God, what, what does Pac-Man ghosts and a St. Louis jersey have to do with anything in my life? And it wasn't until I started talking to people that knew how to interpret dreams that I figured it out. So I would encourage you today, go over there, even if you think your dream is very silly or doesn't make sense. What was it? Oh, no, no, I'm not going to tell you. No, it was just, it was a signal of a season ending and a new beginning. Um, So the company I was working for at the time was based in St. Louis. So that's why I saw a St. Louis jersey go by. So it was very interesting. It was one of those weird ones. And I've had some weird encounters at night where I've heard voices of people that were in a plane call my name so because God you know God does some weird things yeah if you don't think he does then you haven't been reading your Bible but encourage you to start reading your Bible and make some of your things that happen to you make sense and yes I am trying to figure out where God's going this morning actually I know where he's going I'm trying to figure out how I get there because we already went there this morning at worship. Thank you, Michelle and Kathy and Kim. That was amazing. Also, I wanted to talk about real quick, um, the School of Prophets is coming up in Reading. Dano and uh, Chris Vallotton do this school every year. And it's a powerful time. Our team goes, Michelle, you're going, right? Yep, Michelle and a bunch of others are going to be a part of the school to help teach in the school, help 
But if you are trying to figure out if where you fit in the prophetic, if you think you might be called to being a prophet or you know you are, but you're just stuck and don't know how to get there, I would encourage you to go to the school. It's a five-day five day long, so it's a commitment, but it's powerful. Dano is, I think, at least that I know of, is the best teacher and trainer in the prophetic in the world. And so just him alone, just going to hear him alone is worth it. But as you guys know, Chris was here last week and such a blessing and encouragement. So you don't want to miss that. If you can make it, I would go. I would encourage you to go. And that's, it's, I think, in the beginning of August. So you can register on Bethel's website. But I just thought you might want to know about that. It is a great thing. All right. Does anybody know what the date is today? 23rd. So Proverbs 23, 17, and 18. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. There is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. If you need help, hope this morning, and you want hope that won't ever be cut off, the key is here, it says, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. So I would encourage you to live in the fear of the Lord and go on a journey with him because he'll give you hope. It, it doesn't seem like it would go together, fear and hope, but it's what you put your fear in. Says fear the Lord, which I think we've done a, I'm trying to find the right word. Very, uh, we haven't done a good job of learning what the fear of the Lord is. But it's throughout the, the Bible that we need to fear him. Have the fear of the Lord, which isn't the definition of our fear. So I would encourage you to go after that this week. I want to give a financial update of your generosity. We've got, had over $46,000 come in that you guys have pledged towards. Thank you so much. As, thank you for your faithfulness and your generosity. As I was preparing to give this update, I was asking God, what, what do you want to do? And he said, pray for people for financial breakthrough. So if you need a financial breakthrough this morning... Would you stand? Would you have the courage enough to stand? And he, and he said this. He said, I want to bring financial breakthrough, but he doesn't, he doesn't want to bring a single financial breakthrough. And this is what we're believing here at the mission for, with the mission finances, that it's not a singular breakthrough. That it's a long-term breakthrough. That it's not, it just takes care of one issue, but it takes care of all the issues and continues to take care of them. So Jesus, we're here with you today. You are our supplier of all our needs. You have no issue with finances. You know how to deal with them perfectly. And you never run out. 
So Holy Spirit, I ask that you mark each one that's standing this morning for breakthrough. That breakthrough will come to their house. That will come to their family. That will come to their jobs. Their businesses. And that it it would stay and be long term. That you release long term breakthrough. In Jesus name. Amen. Yeah I believe it. I believe it because there's a history of him doing it. Well, this morning, I am so glad Kim and them went after that because that's actually exactly where I wanted to go this morning with my message. So now I'm trying to figure out how to deliver the message after the opportunity to take advantage of the message, which is a little interesting as a speaker. Most of the time you try to build to a... And now... I'm on that other side of it, which is amazing. But we've been talking about legacy, and last, or two weeks ago, Dad talked about building blocks of legacy, and that we're going to continue this series on how to build a legacy. And a few months ago, I was, I think it was in here on a Sunday morning, I was thinking about knowing this is where we were going, and God dropped into my heart, hey, there's three kind of legacies you have to deal with in your life, that everybody has to deal with it. They don't have a choice, but there's three types of legacy that you have to deal with. The first one is the one you're born with. How many of you were born? Good. If you haven't figured that out yet, go talk to your mama how that happened. The second thing, the second legacy you have to deal with is the one you build. And then the third one is the one you leave behind. There's no way escaping these three legacies. So today I want to talk about the one you're born with. See, two of those, of the three, you have no control over. The one you're born with. How many of you got to pick what family you were born in? How many of you wish you could have chose the family? Don't raise your hand. Family could be watching you. This is live streamed. But you didn't have a choice. Now the the legacy you build, that's your choice. And then the legacy you live behind, you have no choice of what the generation after you does with it. So there's really only one legacy you have a choice to build. But we're going to talk about the legacy that has been given to you. You know, how many of you have small children or had small children and they have these blocks and they love to build with blocks. But I I was watching my kids and they start building it and you can tell by the first ones they put down, something's gonna go wrong at some point. (laughs) That one of the blocks is a little off, it's not quite stacked right. And you know, eventually, no matter how big, wide, tall, how beautiful it looks, at some point it's going to fall over because the foundation isn't right. And that's what happens when we receive a legacy that we're born into and we don't learn how to deal with that legacy. Because it doesn't just go away. 
And it becomes our foundation if we don't deal with it. It's like the kids that are building with the blocks. Eventually, it's going to cause the house to fall. What's in your foundation will cause something to happen later on in life. So this morning, I want to talk about that, how to get rid of that out of your life. Because we all have been given a legacy that it has issues attached to it. Because all of our parents are human. And they're not perfect. I mean, maybe not me. My kids think I'm perfect. Until they met me. And then that went away very quickly. So everyone has to deal with a legacy that's given to them. So I want to talk, I want to talk about two different men this morning. That, had, that were handed similar legacies. But one dealt with it and one did not. I'm going to talk about Gideon and King Saul today. So Gideon, Judges 6, 7, or 6, 15. This is what he says about himself. So he said to him, O Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. This is what Saul says about himself. This is 1 Samuel 9, 29. And Saul answered and said, Am I not a Benjaminite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? They both were born into a legacy that you are insignificant. The family you're in is insignificant. The tribe you're in is insignificant. You are the lowest of lows. That's the legacy you have. Right? That's what they say about themselves. I'm the least. Not only is my tribe the least, but I'm the least in my family. So they're both given this horrible legacy. Right? Yep. You with me? And they're told not to expect anything great to come out of their life. Because why should it? You're the least. And so the question is, what are they going to do about it? So we're going to look at Saul. So at this point in Israel's history, they don't have a king, but they want a king. So God tells Samuel the prophet to anoint a king. And so Saul's out looking for donkeys. And he can't find them. And one of his servants is like, hey, there's a prophet in this town. Let's go ask him. He'll know where they're at. Good question, right? Yeah, ask the prophet where the prophet should be able to answer it, right? So, they, so eventually they meet up with Samuel. Samuel's like, hey, your donkeys are fine. They're found. Why don't you come with me? And Samuel, God tells Samuel, this is the guy. This is the guy to, to make king. And when Samuel tells Saul, hey, donkeys are fine, but you're going to be Israel's king. That's when he says, "Uh, what are you talking about? I'm the least. How could I be that? Because I'm the least of them all. And Samuel goes and anoints him. It says, this is 1 Samuel 10.1. It says, then Samuel took a flask of oil 
and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, It is not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance. Is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? Samuel is speaking identity to him. He's saying you are no longer the least, but now you're going to be the greatest. And he anoints him. He's saying that is no longer your legacy. And then he tells Saul, hey, you're going to leave here. You're going to go meet up with some prophets. You're going to start prophesying with them. And then you're going to be changed into a new man. And so Saul goes. And we know, reading the story, that he goes, meets up with the prophets, starts prophesying. But you know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say he changed. Because Saul went and did the prophesying part, but he didn't let it change him. And we know this because right after this, right after he has this encounter with the prophets and the Lord, his uncle finds him and goes, hey, where have you been? And Saul goes, oh, I've been looking for the donkeys. And we couldn't find them, so we went to the prophet. And the uncle says, what did the prophet say? And Saul just says, oh, he said the donkeys are fine. And it says in there, he says, but he did not tell him about his kingship. He already forgot what his new identity was. He chose the legacy that he was born in over the legacy of being king. It gets a little worse. Samuel gathers all the people of Israel to announce that Saul's going to be king. Brings them all, he goes tribe by tribe and says, nope, it's not in this tribe. Nope, it's not in this tribe. Nope, he's not in this tribe. He gets to his tribe. Yes, it's in this tribe. Goes to this family. Goes to, and Saul's not there. Saul's not at his own coronation. They're like, where is he? And they're like, oh, we don't know. We can't find him. And God tells Samuel, oh no, he's hiding over in the supplies. He's hiding in his own coronation. Because he held on to the legacy he was never supposed to have. He didn't let the encounter change him. He had the encounter. God was there to encounter him and to change him into a king. But he chose to hold on to, oh, I'm the least of these. And he ran from it. He was hiding when he was supposed to be made king. When he was supposed to live in his new identity. And we see this throughout Saul's life, that that crack in his foundation that he never could get over haunts him. Because he would start having victories and start acting kingly. And then he would do something stupid. And he would always blame it on the people. Oh, they were going to leave. Which means they don't see me as king. 
until they were going to battle. And Samuel said, hey, go to the Amalekites and totally destroy them. God's given you the victory, but you have to destroy everything. Their livestock, don't take anything for yourself. Destroy everything. So Saul goes with his army, wins the battle, but he doesn't destroy everything. He keeps the good stuff. He doesn't kill the king. And, Saul, and Samuel shows up. He shows up and he's like, Saul, what's going on? Why didn't you obey? And Saul starts making excuses. Well, we, we kept, the, kept the good stuff so we can sacrifice to God. Which, he, that was not the intent. But Saul thought, oh, maybe I can get away with this. And Samuel's like, no, 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 no. Why did you disobey? And this is what he says. This is, Samuel kind of answers his question for him. And this is 1 Samuel fifteen seventeen. It says, so Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Samuel saying, Saul, come on. You're king. You're the king. You are the head of everybody. Why do you care? Why are you worried about them and what they think? God anointed you king. And you're still acting years later like you're the least of them. Because he never dealt with that legacy that he was handed. That he was never supposed to have in his life. And Samuel keeps going, come on Saul. Come on. Why are you still dealing with this? You don't have to. This is not who you're supposed to be. And Saul ends up losing his kingdom because of it. Because he was more afraid of the people because of how he saw himself than obeying God. And his legacy becomes that he was the king that lost his kingship. That his family would not carry on as kings. Because he didn't deal with the legacy that was given to him. Because it's always going to cause the house to crumble. There's things in our lives that we've learned from our parents, our grandparents, that were passed on from generation to generation. And every generation is like, that's just how we are. We're just bitter people. We just get offended by everything. That's just who we are. We're just kinda, we just kind of get a little angry sometimes. We, we just aren't good with money. My family's just never been good at communicating or loving or whatever it is. And we make excuses like that's just how life should be. But see, Jesus came and died so that we could have a new life. And he rose again so that we could be a new creation. See, he didn't say hey, you come to me and then I'm just gonna kind of morph your life a little bit. I'm gonna just rearrange some stuff in your life. He said, no, 
you're actually going to die. Your old man is actually going to die. Who you are is going to die. And you're going to be a new creation. Which means you don't have to deal with the legacy you were given anymore. That you actually, if you want to live that way, you have to choose to live that way. See, Saul chose to live that way. Instead of choosing the new life God had given him. The new identity he gave him. He chose to live in the old one. See, once you get old enough to start making choices, it's your legacy you're choosing. There's no more, well, that's just how my parents were. That's how I was raised. There's a point where that's no longer a good excuse. And we all have to deal with that in our lives. I was talking to a a guy that was making really stupid choices and destroying his family. And all he could talk about was how bad his parents were. And that's the reason he was making stupid choices. And this wasn't like a 12-year-old. This was a grown man with kids and a family. And I'm listening to him, and, and they weren't even horrible things. Like, they were just life things. And I'm listening to him, and I'm like, God, Holy Spirit, help me, because I, I don't have an answer for this guy. And finally, the Holy Spirit just dropped this into me, and I said to him, I said, look, I had good parents. They weren't perfect, though. And where they weren't good, I just get to get better. I just get to be better. And that's what God wants you to do. With the things that your parents, what you grew up in, weren't good, you just get to be better at it. Because you don't have to keep living in that cycle. Jesus is here to break that cycle. So we're quickly going to look at Gideon. And I'll promise you quickly. Gideon had the same problem, right? He said, I'm the smallest of the smallest tribe, and I am the weakest of my family. He's basically putting an L on his forehead saying, I am a loser. <laughs> but God shows up. The um, Midianites keep invading Israel, stealing all their stuff. Gideon's in the wine press, threshing his wheat. I love Gideon. He's one of my favorite people. He gets a bad reputation that he was scared. He wasn't scared. He was actually a brilliant man because he was in the place where he knew the enemy couldn't steal his stuff. It never says he was scared. He was brilliant because he knew if he did it somewhere else, they would steal it and probably kill him. It's a little semantics. It's just my personal view of Gideon. But an angel of the Lord shows up and he says, hey, Gideon, mighty warrior. And Gideon's like, "Woo!" Is there somebody else here? What's going on? Because I'm the least. I'm the loser of the family. Who are you talking about? And God goes, no, no, no. You're that because I am with you. And he talks to him about taking on the Midianites and defeating them. But God says, you're going from being a loser to being a mighty warrior. And he has because... I am with you. 
See, it doesn't matter where you start, but it matters who you go on the adventure with. See, if I want to go on a great adventure and climb a high mountain, I'm not going to take along somebody that's never climbed a mountain before. That would be pretty stupid. And Polly won't be successful. But if I find the greatest mountain climber that's ever lived and go with him, Polly going to be successful. And that's what God's saying here. Hey, with me, anything is possible. I can change you from a loser to a mighty warrior. But Gideon has to make a choice here. He has to do something to break that legacy that he's living with. And God says, I want you to go and destroy the altars that your father built. The altars to Baal. To another God. You didn't build them, but it was the legacy that was given to you. To worship other gods. And God said, no, you have to actually go do it. Gideon could have said, that's not my problem. I didn't do those. I didn't build them. I didn't create them. Those are my dad's issues. Those aren't mine. But God knew Gideon had to do something to break that legacy. And so Gideon goes and destroys the altars of Baal and builds new ones for God. And it pissed everybody off. Nobody in his community was happy with him. Let me give you a little insight. When you start dealing with legacy, bad legacy issues in your life, there's going to be community members around you that aren't going to like it. Because that means they're going to have to deal with their stuff. And it's okay. You still love them. That doesn't mean you get bitter and treat them like they're crazy. You still treat them with kindness and love. But just, be, just so you know, people aren't going to be happy with you when you start dealing with those issues. But it's so well worth it. They actually, they were so upset with him and that his dad, Gideon's dad goes, hey, he's doing the right thing. If you're so upset, tell Baal to deal with him. If, if Baal's alive, then you tell him to deal with him. And we'll see what happens. And they actually changed Gideon's name. And Gideon goes by a different name from that point on. Because Gideon chose to change his legacy. And as you know, Gideon now has to go fight the, fight the Midianites. And so God tells them to pull all the armies of Israel together. So he calls them and 32,000 men show up for battle. Which is awesome. And we know that Gideon started living in his new identity because God goes, hey, you got 32,000. That's too many. Because if you win the battle with 32,000, you'll think it was in your own strength. So Gideon's already going, yeah, I'm a mighty warrior. He's, or, he's fully bought into it. 
So God's like, oh, ooh, wow, he caught on to that quick. So let, let, and so God cuts the army from 32,000 down to 300. 300. Not only does he cut them down to 300, he goes, here, this is the weapons I want you to take into battle with you. I want you to take a jar, a trumpet, and a torch. That's what I want you to go in battle for. Gideon, you're a mighty warrior. But you only get 300 men. And you only get torches, jars, and a trumpet. And my guess, at least half of them probably couldn't play the trumpet. So it was probably pretty sad sounding. Have you ever heard someone try to play a shofar? Worst sound in the world. If they don't know how to play it. If they don't know how to play it, it's a beautiful sound. I almost said I love, I do love shofars if they're played properly. If they're not played properly, they are the worst thing in the world. And I want to shoot myself. But Gideon let God change his identity. He let him change his legacy from being the least to being a mighty warrior. And he defeats the army with 300 men with jars, a trumpet, and a torch. One man... Let God change him. The other one wanted to hold on to the legacy he was born with. We have a choice. I love God for this, but I don't understand it. He gives us choice. It's your choice. Now, I understand. I was born into a really good family. There's still legacy stuff I have to deal with. So I get it, but you know, my, grand, my grandmothers, one was born into a house that her father was a murderer. He was a hitman for the sheep herders in Idaho. That's what she grew up. She grew up with a man that was violent, that would sharpen his knife in front of his kids to intimidate them and clean his guns and told one of his sons, that he didn't know Saul, but saw him kill somebody and told his son, if you ever tell anybody, I'll kill you. That's the legacy she, she was handed. My other grandmother, her, her father, in the middle of the night had to escape New York, left a family there, escaped to California, started a whole new family. She was a product of that new family. Her mom died, I think, when she was 10 and the new stepmom came in and kicked all the kids out of the house. At 12-year-old, she's on the streets raising her, her siblings. That was the legacy that was given to them. But they chose Jesus. They had an encounter with Jesus and changed their legacy. You can change your legacy. And I know some of you were probably born into horrible circumstances. But the Bible's full of people that were born in horrible circumstances, but did great things. Because they changed their legacy. Moses, 
grew up in the palace of the man that tried to kill him. He grew up in the house of the man that killed babies, killed his cousins, his family, and he had to grow up in that house. David says in, I think it's Psalms 50, 51. If I can have the band come up, I'm wrapping up. Psalms 51, he says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. They believe there's a high probability that David was a product of his father, Jesse, having an affair with his mom, that they were not married. So he was an illegitimate child. That's why when Samuel came to Jesse's house and said, bring me your sons, David wasn't invited to the party. But yet, David didn't live under that legacy. He chose what God called him to be. And when he went to face Goliath, he didn't say, oh, I'm an illegitimate son. I have no place in the world. He said, no, 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 no. God is with me. Who can be against me? You're going down because God's with me. And he didn't live in that legacy. He chose what God called him to be. See, God can heal you and he can set you free of what you were born into. He can change your trajectory. He can change your legacy. But you do have to choose it. You have to choose to deal with it. You have to choose to deal with the things in your life that don't line up with what he's called you to. Who he says you are. And he'll deal with it. He'll take it out of your life, but you got to give it to him. It's an exchange program. He's like, if you'll give it to me, I'll give you this. That's so much better. That will create a firm foundation in your life. But you can't ignore it. Those things in your life, if you just ignore them, they will cost you. It costs Saul. Cost him his kingdom. Because he wasn't willing to deal with it. He just ignored it. And today, the king of glory is in the house. That's here to love you through your pain and into your destiny. Would you all stand with me? It doesn't matter how you start life, but it does matter what you do with it. We don't, we didn't get to choose how we came into the world, but we do get to choose how we live it. And Jesus has come to say, I'll do it with you. I'll come and I'll change everything. I'll make you a new creation where what you were born in doesn't matter anymore, doesn't affect you anymore. So this morning, he wants to heal you. He wants to make you a new creation. But we have to let him. 
So Holy Spirit, we just ask you right now that you examine our hearts. Where we have chosen to hold on to things that were passed on from generation to generation that we should have never picked up. That should have never been handed to us. And we give them to you. We give them to you today. We give you that anger, that bitterness. That that thinking that everybody's out to get us. That you're a least of these. That you're no good. That you weren't wanted. You know, God knew you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. And he said, ah, I need that person to be alive right now. You are on purpose. There is no accident. God chose you for you to come alive when you came alive. And he's here today to be in you and through you and change everything about you. He'll make you into a new creation. He'll make you into the person you've always wanted to be, that you've always dreamt to be. So just say, Holy Spirit, come and change me. I give you this and receive your love. But it's going to take your action. Gideon had to tear the altars down. Now, I'm not saying go to your parents' house and tear their house down. Please don't do that. But you do need to ask the Holy Spirit, what is my responsibility here? What do I need to do? It could be just simply you need to forgive the person that handed that down to you. But ask the Holy Spirit. That's what he's there for. He'll lead you into what you need to do. How you can have a new identity. So Holy Spirit, you're so good. You're so kind. And you have our best interest in mind. That when we ask for bread, you'll give us bread. You won't give us a stone. You'll give us something that's good for us and not harmful. That you are not like a heavenly or like an earthly father that can screw up sometimes and give us stuff that's not good. But you're our heavenly father that gives good, only gives good gifts. So we receive that this morning. That you are a good father that gives out good gifts. If I can have the ministry team come down here in a minute, we'll dismiss for the dream interpretation. We have some words of knowledge. If I can find them here, here we go. Because the healer's in the room. So I'd invite you to come up. I'm going to read these off and you can come up and get prayer. But also, if 
if you're one of those ones that need to deal with some legacy issues that were given to you, there's people up here that have been trained to help you walk, walk through that. Walk through that forgiveness. Walk through laying it down and picking up the goodness of God. But here's some words of knowledge. Uh, neck pain on the right side affecting mobility. This is you. Just come on down for prayer. Another one. Bridge of the nose fractured years ago. A right elbow pain. Unusual fatigue during the day. Joint pain, muscle pain in the upper back, and pain rotating down the right arm. So if that's you, just come on down. Or if you just, if if you need something else healed, the healer's in the room. So I suggest come on down and let him touch you this morning. Or if you need to meet Jesus, the one that paid the price for you to make you a new creation, come on down. We're going to sing this song as people come. We're going to wrap up with this. A thousand generations Falling down in worship To sing the song of ages to the Lamb And all who've gone before us And all who will believe To sing the song of ages to the Lamb Because your name is the highest and your name is the greatest and your name stands above it all above all thrones and dominions all powers and possessions your name stands above it all and the angels cry I'm going to pray this prayer over you as we dismiss this morning. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Go out this week and let the glory of God's face shine off of you and onto the people around you and change the world that you're going into. Bless you. Love you. See you next week. head on over to the dream interpretation team love to minister to you
Yes, it stands above it all.